Heavenly Father, we thank you for a, a wonderful morning, a chance to reconnect as a family, and most of all, a chance to worship and adore you in the, in the way that, you've, that you deserve. Father, thank you for the blessings that we've had in the, uh, uh, this past week and keeping us safe. We ask that you would uh, grant uh, <clears throat> Neil and, and Bobby and, and Jerry and Jim uh, safe recoveries from their various illnesses and, and uh, surgeries and, and things that are going on there. And, and be with their families as they minister to them and care for them and, and support them through these difficult times. Uh, Father, thank you for, uh, for Dan and his efforts in, on your behalf in, in studying out your word and, and researching and, and bringing some thoughts to us to consider and to grow. And bless us as we open our hearts and our minds to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank uh, the people behind the curtain. I uh, had every intention to be here by 8-ish <laughs> to start getting some of the slides ready and kind of dumped it on them. If I have them, great. If I don't, don't worry about it. But thank you so much for everything you guys are doing back there. Um, this is not my typical <laughs> comfort zone. I am stepping out of it. Uh, I am more of a, here's a theme, here's a concept, here's an idea. Now let's take that idea and apply it to biblical, biblical principles. All right, great. Now we have a series or we have a lesson. Not this one. Uh, we're actually going to be going through um, three letters, uh, just as they're written. Uh, we're going to be looking at 1 Timothy. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy. We're going to be looking at Titus. So you're going to get a threefer in 12 weeks. <laughs> Sit down, buckle up, here we go. <laughs> it's going to be quick. But yeah, I, I, I typically don't do this. And as I'm going through here, there's some things that are challenging my thoughts. The way I have always been told, this is the way it is. And quite honestly, I'm starting to wonder... Hmm. why aren't we digging more into these to look at exactly what's going on? As we go through these letters, I want us to see how they kind of be applied to three areas. Our church, our community, and our lives. Right? Our church, our community, and our lives. How do First and Second Timothy and Titus work together? into that. But before we begin, I want to ask you all questions so that I understand, one, <laughs> where your needs are on this study, and two, so that I can provide to you the best study possible. What do you know about First and Second Timothy, Titus? Well, I would open in your Bibles and digging through, and oh, here's the introduction real quick at the First of it, what do you know about these books? They're short. <laughs> right, yeah, they're short. All right. They are short. Okay. 
contain information on women's roles. I'll put leadership in there. They are young. Timothy and Titus are young. How young? Younger than Leonard. Bingo. Younger than Steve-O. <laughs> Younger than Amber and I. Just a little bit older than Brooke. By about 9, 10 years. They're about 30, 35-ish. Best guess. All right. um, they are young. Very young. They are very, very personal letters. Absolutely. Who wrote them? Pablo. Pablo wrote these. Uh, they were pinned by Paul. Right? How do we know they were pinned by Paul? Paul. <laughs> Timothy 1 1 starts Paul. <laughs> yeah, he tells us. I love when they come out and they just kind of, it's not Hebrews. <laughs> this is who wrote this thing. Right? Absolutely. When was it written? When were these three letters written? Were they written at the same time? Was there years and months between them? 30 AD. Oh, early 80. I was going to tell you, you're close at 30 years. <laughs> Written around 62 to 67 AD, best I can find. Now this class, I am using one, two, three, four, five, five different books, two different commentaries, and two different translations. Not a single one of them agrees on when these books are written. Oh, 64 AD, this is when it is. 62 AD, because it was when he went to uh, you know, Mesopotamia. Uh, you know, where is this at? No, he was in his second imprisonment, so it had to have been at the... Come on. 62 to 63, Amber says. <laughs> Again, we're going with AD 62 through 67. Somewhere around AD 68, what happened? Paul was murdered, absolutely. Paul is gone. So they had to have been written before then. <laughs> so that's where they're going, 62 to 67. What happened in 61 to 62? Paul's final imprisonment. Yep. Um, so these letters were most likely written while he was imprisoned, um, maybe after he was imprisoned in Acts. Uh, they talk about uh, several things in Acts, and, and then up to uh, 2816 in Acts 2816, where we finally hear about the end of, of Paul. A lot of people are like, well, it was right after that that he was martyred, and that was his final time in Rome. Well, actually, if you start looking at the letters and you start looking at the events that have happened, most likely Paul had four missionary trips. Acts only accounts for three. So it's something that was written, things that have transpired in Scripture that we're not aware of, but he alludes to within Timothy and Titus. 
and the activities that are going on and the events that are happening. So it is a little, little weird, but we're going to go with 62 to 67 AD. We've got some of the content, <laughs> very short, uh, containing women leadership, personal. What other content is in these letters? Elders and deacons, and what did you, I, I didn't miss the end. And the list, the, the list, right? What do we call these letters? The pastoral epistles. I don't know if it's L-E-E-L. I was never great in spelling, so you get the point. They call them the pastoral epistles because they are where we turn to. If we were to look at another elder, another deacon, a minister, preacher, anybody in the leadership role, where are we going to go? These letters. And I'll tell you, as I've been going through... I probably could not disagree more that these are the pastoral epistles. We'll get into that here in a little bit. So do you have any sense of specific emphasis in Paul's letter to Timothy or Titus? And just thinking about what you know about Timothy and Titus, what is the emphasis in these three letters? Okay, we got some encouragement. That pin fell because it wasn't working. I didn't drop it. It's to encourage. How to be a minister. In what way? Minister. How to deal, how to treat, flock. Yeah. Goes through that. Focuses on what else? Put one word up here, I bet you I'll jump on it. False teachers. Absolutely. And that's first Timothy. We're starting out with Second Timothy. Did you do this? Titus. Hey, here's some more false teachers. I mean, <clears throat> that's what we're talking about. Um, and really the emphasis is on those, but there's more to it. What passages come to mind when you think about 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, or Titus? Are there any there? Can you think of any? Ones that might jump out at you? Yeah. 
Don't let people look down on you because of your youth. Absolutely. Uh, what else we got? <laughs> he he's reading it. Correct. Attitude. On word of life. There's one that uh, is in these letters that is misquoted so often. We love to have it misquoted. No. The root of all evil. Money is the root of all evil. No, 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 no. Love of money is the root of all evil. Yeah. So let me ask the million dollar question. Root of evil. Correct attitude on life. Don't let those look down on you. Uh, it's a letter of encouragement. Our pastoral epistles. Of all of those up there, really, where we're going to start to look is right here. Paul wrote these while he was imprisoned, uh, most likely. Um, there are things uh, that we get out of 1st and 2nd Timothy, come see me quickly. Um, I'm in chains. I am bound, but I, I am loving the fact that the Word is not bound. It is free. It is growing. Things like that uh, that tell us that he was imprisoned. Um, but we're going to focus in on the personal aspect. I mean, we're looking at an individual who's coming up to the end of their life. They knew it. And he sits down and he writes to these two young, young individuals. And what does he say? What is he really telling them? Right? Think about what you would say. Who would you write a letter to if you knew you were done in about a year? Your life is expiring. You're gone. What are you going to write down? What are you going to pin who are you going to want to talk to? Timothy and Titus, Paul says. Start writing these. How much feeling would you have to put into that letter? Into that phone call? Into that text in today's society? It's kind of a sobering thought, really. But it shows us just how personal... These letters really are. Honestly. Are there any aspects of these three letters that have confused you? Or you find confusing in any way? Because <laughs> like, oh man, he's opening a door. Yeah. <laughs> what do you find confusing about these three letters? Anything? They're pretty cut and dry. 
Yeah. <laughs> we do like to make them cut and dry. That's what it says. That's what it means. We're done. We're out. I also think we make them too complicated. Paul's telling them in Timothy, hey, quit getting into these debates over genealogies. Quit thinking about words and their meanings. You're going down rabbit holes and it's just confusing the subject. God's gospel, God's word, Jesus Christ is not complicated. But we have to find all these little different meanings. I.e., in, in Matthew uh, 4, we're told about the 12 apostles, right? This is where we get the list. Who are the 12 apostles? Sure. About 416. Are they apostles? Okay. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. Right? It's in Matthew 16, or 4, excuse me. Go over there and find it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Acts in the letter to the Romans. I got this. Where is it? Okay, maybe it's not 416. Not real far into Matthew. I don't know that much. Four nineteen? Eighteen? Oh, it was close. There we go. There you go. Hey Luke, I'd go through Luke. You Luke five? Fish? Six? It's close. All right. So we stop right there. What did I ask you to name? <laughs> Thank you. He calls the twelve. Exactly. This is how easy. It is. And Paul wants this to be known in Timothy and in Titus. Watch for false teachings. Now, I did that intentionally. I do apologize. Paul, an apostle of, we know. We're told these 12 are called. Now, there's little things out there that you're going to find. Um, people start to dig down these rabbit holes and go, well, there's 12 tribes of Judah. That's why he calls the twelve, because now he's taken from the Old Testament to the New Testament, and these twelve are the, really his now his chosen. I read that in three different commentaries. I went, you've got to be kidding me. We're taking this a little extreme, are we not? Why are we looking for those little bitty issues? We can't even get out into the world and talk to the average Joe. But we have to have these debates. And Paul talks about that in Timothy. And he talks about that in Titus. The pastoral epistles. 
when did we get that? Did that just, here's 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus. Oh, I read those and now, boom, it's the pastoral epistles. <laughs> We're never meant that way. It actually started in about the 13th century with an individual named Thomas Aquinas. And he made a reference to 1st Timothy as providing the pastoral rules. Here are the rules that you have to be. Now, the interesting thing that we'll find in 1st Timothy 2 Timothy and Titus, is you won't find anywhere where it says pastor, pastoral. That's not the words that are used. <laughs> Shepherds, leaders. Right. It wasn't until 1726 when Paul Anton delivered a, a series of lectures. In these series of lectures, he quoted and penned the pastoral epistles. Boom, that's stuck. Here we go. Now we got a name for it. We can take off and we know what we're talking about. That's really when it came in. But as I said, I couldn't disagree more with this. Yeah, there are books on how to lead a church. How we're supposed to look at the qualifications of this elder is this. This deacon needs to do this. right? Anybody in a leadership role needs to follow these guidelines. But really... What it's looking at is the character of these individuals. What is the responsibility of these individuals who teach and lead God's church? But these are the most personal, practical letters that Paul wrote. And yes, he's talking about leadership in the church, but who is he talking to? All of us. Exactly. He wrote them to Timothy. This is Timothy. This is what I see in you. But we start looking at that. And let's just hold up a mirror. He's talking to all of us. Who are the leaders of the church? <laughs> Curtis? Steve? You're the leaders of the church? Me? He's the head. He's given us some guidelines and some things for us to do. What do you think of when you hear the, the word leader? Somebody out front. Or behind. They're leading the pack from behind. Have you heard that one? A leader. What is a leader to you? An example. Absolutely. That's what these, these letters are about. Continue to live your life as an example. He tells both of them that. Your example. It does not say your leadership will bring forth. Your example will bring forth. And that's really what we're talking about here. Is the example that we give. Now... 
These letters apply broadly, not only to the leadership, but to all Christians. And there's so many various topics that Paul touches on. He touches on the difference between true and false teaching in 1 Timothy uh, 1, 3-11. He talks about the power of the gospel to save sinners in Timothy 1, 12-16. The goodness of God's creation in 1 Timothy 4, 4. The dangers of pride and the love of money talk about in Timothy 6, 4 through 10. The divine quality and effectiveness of Scripture. There's one we don't usually touch on. That comes from 2 Timothy 3, 15 through 17. The vital importance of good works in a Christian life. Titus 2 and 3. Above everything else, as Paul writes this, he really stresses that the gospel of Christ saves and transforms sinners. And that the gospel is the good deposit that we should, we must protect, but it doesn't stop there, and pass on. We like to go, well, this is mine. No, it's meant to be passed. It's meant to be given in our life, in the example we lead. But how do we do that? That's what these books are about. How do we maintain that good deposit? Are we keeping it to ourselves? Are we giving it to others? Quick breakdown of these. Yeah, right. I've only got, that was page one. I ain't kidding. Quick breakdown. And I'm just going to blow through these, hopefully. I'll try to slow it down a little bit, but we'll see what happens. First Timothy. Confront false teaching in Ephesus. All right. You're supposed to promote a positive vision for doctrine, for order, and, to, and how to conduct that in God's household. What is God's household? The church which is right here, the pews, the, the people, right? How do we conduct order here? All right. One of the things that we're taught about in, is that uh, we have to have order in our worship. And this is where we go to get that. In everything, have order. Otherwise, you get disorder. You get chaos. Right? Does it say order in worship or here? The church. Order in the church. Now we go, okay, i got to have two songs, a prayer, two more songs. We're going to have Lord's Supper, and that's the way it is, and that's all we can do. Here's our order. We can't deviate from it because it says it in Timothy. We have to have order. We have to have order here. Here. We have to have order with us. If I got a disagreement with Janet, do we have order? Something to think about. Now, Timothy is charged with guarding the gospel and setting the example to believers in several ways. In 1 Timothy 4:12, he's told to set the example in my speech conduct, love, 
faith, purity, and of all else, he's charged with keeping that good deposit, maintaining that good deposit. And how he's going to do that is through his speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. 2 Timothy is a farewell letter to Timothy, really, if you think of it. Paul's at this time is in prison, although he's being held in chains. He rejoices at God's word is not bound. When we're going through hard times in our lives, how hard is it for us to rejoice? Have you thought about that? I am down on my life. You know, I went through a pretty rough spot about a week and a half ago with that silly truck out there. Crippled me for a little bit. I needed it. I was down. I couldn't do nothing. I wasn't being beaten. I wasn't in chains. I was having good food in my belly. I had a house, a roof. I was warm. My truck was down. And while that was going on, it put a crimp in my lifestyle. Poor, poor Dan. Paul is rejoicing that Timothy and Titus are out there. He's happy on his friendship. And that the Word of God continues to grow. Have we stopped to think that when we're down on our luck? It's hard. And as he's dying, he writes to Timothy, you know, um, good luck, buddy. He's anticipatory of the final salvation according to 2 Timothy 8. 2 Timothy 2, 8 through 10. And above all, this is 2 Timothy is Paul's charge to Timothy to continue preaching the word, endure with the suffering that will come, above all, pass the gospel onto those that will remain faithful and do what? Teach others. Pass it on to them. We're going to move into Titus, and Titus is a little bit different, but he still stresses the same thing. The gospel and good works are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. Should they be separated, I've got good works, or I've got good gospel, we need to start looking here at the order in which we live, because they cannot be separated. Paul also mimics to Timothy and Titus, appoint elders, rebuke false teachers, set the example of your life with sound doctrine, good works. That's what he's telling them. Some of the background, some of the history of what is going on during the time of 1st and 2nd Timothy and Titus. What was historically going on at this point? Within society, within the culture, what was happening when Paul wrote these letters? Rome. What was Rome doing to the church? <laughs> it was coming after it with a vengeance. Absolutely. Right? I am deity. Yeah, Caesar did that. I think they all thought themselves deity. But uh, they came after him. Yeah, there's no other God but me. I'm Caesar. Henceforth, that church has to go. 
The church at Ephesus, the church in Creed, Crete, excuse me, uh, Creed. Uh, yeah, they had Creed back then. Uh, in Crete, were under attack, as were all the other churches in the world at that point, the known world. They were under attack by a powerful outside force. What's the best way to destroy something? Keep pounding away at its walls, at its doors, at its fortifications till it just finally collapses? Come at it from the inside. Absolutely. Think of a virus. A virus outside of the human body does what to the human body? Nothing. It's going to die. Only once it's accepted in does it start to do something. It starts to weaken the defenses little by little. Cough, cough, hack, hack. Now I'm down on the couch and I can't move for three months. What's going on? Good honk. Who breathed on me? Right? No, it was something that was in brought into the body. Only once it was in did we get sick. Paul's telling both Timothy and Titus to be on the guard against such an attack. False teachers. Someone comes up here and starts to blatantly tell us something that is false. Whoa. We got that, right? How did they get in in the first place? Slowly. Little bits of nuggets of truth are missing. Be on your guard against that. They're instructed on how to confront false teachers, promote order, godly conduct when it comes to the church. 62 to 67 is kind of when we can contribute the writing, uh, and that's taking the last to the end. I couldn't tell you where they're put in there. I'm not going to tell you I'm an expert on this by any means. But typically it is agreed on that during a trip not recorded in Scripture is when Paul wrote these. This trip took place after the events described in Acts as we talked about. However, between Paul's first and final Roman imprisonments, that's when this did take place. 2 Timothy was written near the end of Paul's life. And again, probably during the second final imprisonment that Paul spent in Rome. Kind of when it was written. So where does all of this fit in to the big picture? Steve likes to call it the 10,000 foot mountain top view, right? That's what we're going to call it. Where does it fit in? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God saw all that He had made and it was... No. Very good. It wasn't good. It was very good, according to Genesis 131. Every step of the way, he continued to say, Oh, this is good. This is good. And when he steps back and looks at all he had made, Wow, this is very good. And it's a little bit different. Not after that, not long after that, sin entered into the world, right? It comes into the picture. And with sin came what I like to refer to as the three D's. Disorder, devastation, and death. That's what sin's going to get you. 3D view. Right? We, we, we want to go and see that 3D movie, right? We don't want the 3D view of sin. Disorder, devastation, and death. 
as we go through the Old Testament, we see that we have a very patient, a very loving God dealing with very rebellious children. The patience of God is put to the test time and time and time again. And again, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. Okay, come on. Quit throwing cookies at your sister. However, he makes a promise to restore and to rescue sinners and to heal his broken world. How is he going to do that? Jesus Christ. He sent his son to die. And that's when we start to see the Old New Testament come in. The announcement that God has fulfilled his promise. The Gospels narrate the life and the death of Christ. Acts comes along and shows us how Jesus' followers continue his mission by proclaiming the Gospel, not just to Ephesus and, and Crete, but to all people, all nations. And then we see how the epistles, the letters that are written, that's the majority of what's here in the New Testament, give apostolic instruction to believers between Jesus' first and second coming. Here is your instructions. Carry them out. Then we have Timothy and Titus. These three beautifully summarize all of it. They really do. 1 Timothy 1.15 Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Titus 2.14 Who gave Himself to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for Himself a people that are His very own eager to do what is good. There's a quick summation of 1, 2 Timothy and Titus. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners who gave Himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. In a nutshell, Timothy and Titus teach us how to live faithful, fruitful, and effective lives for Christ. And that's what we're going to look at over these next 11 weeks. Where is that going to come from? Here's quick outlines, and these are kind of what I am going to follow. If he has them up there, great. If not, no big deal. There we go. First Timothy. We're going to start out with doctrine makes a difference. All right. We're going to look at Paul's greeting to Timothy, Paul's charge to confront false teaching, Paul's gratitude for grace, Paul's charge is re, or Timothy's charge is restated. That is going to be our first section. Second section is going to go into a God-shaped living and leadership in God's household. What are we going to look at? Those three items there. Prayer, leadership, the mystery of godliness. That'll be week two. Instructions for the church and its leaders. Be week three. We're going to touch on all of these. Now, if you notice, we're not just doing one or two little verses. There's no way you can cover Timothy and Titus in 12 weeks without blowing through it. We're going to hit the high points, but I'm going to encourage you to read deeper. Look at what else is in there. False teaching in later times. It's not just right then. Model sound doctrine. Encourage older and younger believers. Honor widows, elders. Right? Oh, you're good. Guard the God. Where did we go? Honor masters. Right? And we're going to move on. 
We're going to go into the contrast between true and false teaching. Negative, the positive, the charge to the wealthy, and how we guard the gospel in the end of 1 Timothy. 2 Timothy is going to start off with the suffering for Christ. Paul's greeting to Timothy, his gratitude for his faith, and we're going to finish up that week with the entrust the gospel to faithful men. We're going to look at dealing with oppression in the church. How do we do that? Opposition, excuse me, oppression. Opposition in the church. How do we do that? The big thing is to remember Jesus Christ and the promise of the gospel. We're going to wrap out difficulty in the last days on that week. Ministers, conduct, commitment, the charge. This is the the lists that we're looking at, right? (laughs) How are we supposed to get them? But really, we're going to look at the examples. How do we preach the Word? And then the last instructions to Timothy. Last words that Paul wrote to Timothy that we know. In Titus, we're going to move on. And the first thing he goes does is appoint elders. We're going to look at that. We're going to look at his greeting. We're going to look at Timothy's charge versus, or Titus's charge versus Timothy's charge. Establish order. Again, we have that order coming in. Appoint elders. And then his charge and his challenge, false teachers. Teaching sound doctrine, good works for God's people, gospel foundation for good works. How do we do that? And then we're going to finish off with saved in order to do good. That'll take us through the next 11 weeks. Those are the highlights. Those are what we're going to continue to look into. Hopefully, I can answer some of your questions for you. Next week, we are going to jump in. We are going to go deep into 1 Timothy 1, 1 through 20. If you want to read that, start looking at it, start evaluating what's going on. It's a great place to start because that's where we're going to start. Questions, comments? Well, thank you for all your attention and running over a little bit here, but I appreciate it.